Earlier this week, I, uh, well, let's start this way. I, I know I've already done much of this material before, some years ago. I, I know I've already done that, but that's okay. Uh, many of you have not heard some of this material, and I want you to think about it. But I, I, there was a post uh, by a friend of mine, an acquaintance of mine on Facebook um, this week, a nice lady that I know, who said, look, I, I don't believe that Jesus is real at all, and if you do, that's okay with me, but I am concerned that you Christians don't act like Jesus. I guess it's okay to act like an imaginary figure, but, but in the event... Um, I thought after, and she's, some other things were said there. And this is a common, this is a common thread and deserves other sermons that the biggest complaint people have about Christianity are the fact that Christians don't live up to the standards of Christ. Now that shouldn't really surprise anybody who understands that Christ is, a, is, a, is not only a divine being, but also human, and he set a perfect standard of living. It really shouldn't shock anybody that Christians don't live up to that. But I think what she was getting at in this sermon is that we don't accept things like gay marriage and transgender um, ideology and things like that. that. That's what she was getting at in, in her post. That if we were really Christians, we would be loving and accept all of those things. So I, I don't know, you know, that, that's a broad gap, a broad chasm to, to cross. But I do think that I, I, I don't know if it would be helpful if I were able to convince her that Christ, Jesus Christ actually was real. And from my understanding and looking at this issue historically and based on a debate or two that I was engaged in with atheists who took the position that Jesus Christ was not real, that he was a myth, I, I can tell you that that's an old view. That's an antiquated, archaic view that Jesus did not exist. Modern historians generally who deal with history don't doubt that Jesus existed. That doesn't mean that they're followers of Christ or that they think he was the Christ, the Son of God, but they generally don't dispute historically that Jesus lived. They more dispute the book that was left by his, him and his apostles as to what it means for us to do. But we first have to start with the fact that Jesus lived. If he didn't live, if he wasn't really who he says he was, it does make a difference. I can tell you for myself, as I said before, if I didn't think Jesus lived, and if I didn't think the Bible was actually be taken literally, I would not be here this morning. I can guarantee you that. I'd be doing something else, fishing or working with my bees or taking care of my chickens or something, you know, that like that. I, I wouldn't be here talking about an imaginary man and imaginary teachings and an imaginary sky fairy, they call him today. I wouldn't be worried about all that because in the end it wouldn't matter, would it? You can say, well... You should live a good life anyway. Well, okay, well, define good. If there's no Jesus and no God, then there's no def definition of good. So let's just go back and start over again. And, and you know, I think that Putin's definition of good is as good as anybody else's if there's no God. So let's take a look at what the Bible says about some of these things and what history says about a few of these things with you this morning. We'll, we'll go through this quickly. I know there's a lot to be said, but I don't want to to bore you with this idea altogether. But read with me this passage you're familiar with here in Matthew uh, chapter 16. When Jesus came into the suburbs or the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others say Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. 
And he said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, or Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not prevail against it. And I will give unto you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. And then he commanded his disciples that they should tell no one that he was Jesus the Christ. Now there's a lot to be unpacked in those verses, but I don't want to unpack all of that today except to say that even in Jesus' own lifetime, some people were unsure about who he was. Now I will say this, they didn't doubt that he existed, they didn't know who he was, meaning what was the purpose of his life and what his true identity was. Was he just the son of Mary and Joseph the carpenter or was he more than that? That's the question. Was he uh, who he said he was? And, and that's the other question. If In looking at the Gospels, who did Jesus say that he was? He asked here, who do, who do they say that I am? And he got different answers. They didn't have photography back then. And they believed that when they said he was Elijah, many of them thought maybe he was literally Elijah come back because there was a prophecy about Elijah coming again. Or that they thought he was coming in the spirit of Elijah. He was a man like Elijah is what probably many of them meant. But what we see is that even today, over 2,000 years later, this still is a question. Now, U.S. News and World Report, every Christmas and usually sometimes every Easter, they do a Why Christianity is a Bogus Religion and Christians are a Crock articles under the guise of trying to be news reporting on these events. But you can just look it up historically. They do an anti-religious piece. On, on Easter and Christmas. And uh, back in December of 93, in order to appease Christians, they said, Today, as in his own time, Jesus of Nazareth remains one of history's most intriguing and mysterious figures. Many are still asking the question of the ages. Who is Jesus? That's a good question. Many are still asking it. And they've always asked it, always will ask it. It doesn't mean there's no answer. And so forth. Now, you can say Jesus is mysterious. What do you mean by that? Does it mean that you can't know who Jesus was or what he thought or what he taught? Uh, does it mean he's mysterious because he didn't exist and we know almost nothing about him from a historical standpoint? Well, you know, you can go back in history, same kind of people that the, new, the U.S. News report would hold up as being, you know, intellectual giants of ancient times. We know even less about them than we do about Jesus by a long shot. And we're less certain by orders of magnitude about what they actually wrote. We only have a few copies of Aristotle's writings, and they differ widely, and we we don't really know what he said, and they're all in the same language. We have thousands of copies of the New Testament over several hundred years, and they all match up. And so bibliographically, from a historical or bibliographical standpoint, we have orders of magnitude more evidence for what the apostles said than for what Aristotle said. And yet, we, we talk about Hichim in our universities, whole courses on little trinkets of what Aristotle said as if it was all real. We don't know anything about Aristotle or Socrates or anything like that. But World Book Encyclopedia says to, he was prop, has probably influenced humanity more than anyone else who ever lived. And that, that's probably undoubtedly true. 
when you consider the impact that his life and teachings have had on what we now call Western civilization since the time of the Romans. No one even comes close. And the impact those civilizations of Europe and North America and other places have had upon the world, even, even in Africa, uh, on the world is incalculable how it's influenced people. Billions of people down through time have been greatly influenced, not just a little bit. So far, when you compare them to someone like Aristotle or Socrates or any of the Roman emperors or other great thinkers, there's not even, it's not, not even close to the influence that this Jesus Christ has had. And yet we say, who is he? Well, that's a good question. Maybe there's more than we think. And, and then you have Kenneth Lacherette, who is a Yale University histori- history professor. I think he is actually more of a religious history professor at Yale and written wrote, I would say, the second best history of Christianity. I think Philip Schaff's is first, in my own opinion, a little bit I know about it. I'm not a biologist, but I do know a little bit about church history, that, that there was a, uh, he, he wrote, Schaff wrote a major volume, and Lacherette wrote really good history of the church as far as clarity and able to be read. And I think uh, fair and that's a good thing about historians when they're fair. But he says, as the centuries pass, the evidence is accumulating that measured by his effect on history, Jesus is the most influential life ever lived on this planet. That influence appears to be mounting rather than going away. And that was said in the 20th century. Lacherette wrote that. So who do men say that I am? This is a crucial question. Because, as we'll see in just a moment, uh, if Jesus is who he says he is, it makes all the difference in the world. And if he's not who he says he is, then it makes a lot of history a head-scratcher. It makes a lot of things really mysterious if Jesus is not who he says he is. But I don't think he can be ignored. He's not ignored by by scholars. We try to ignore him, but even as they try to ignore Jesus in our education educational system, colleges and universities, the more they try to ignore him, the more they have to bring him up, you see, because of his ideas. Men must struggle to rid themselves of him. That's the great struggle of human history, even before Jesus came. Men, Freud said, in essence, that, I'll paraphrase, even if there was not a God, men would have had to invent one. They need a father. So that was the, that's the foundation of a lot of modern psychology, that human beings would invent a God even if there wasn't one. The trouble with that is it doesn't. It flies in the face of the evidence that we have. And that is that most people have been trying to get rid of the God of the Bible more than accept him for sure. They don't want to accept the God of the Bible. They, they might be willing to accept some wood fairy somewhere or some God that's a star out there in the distance that has no real impact on their life. They can accept that kind of God or a God of the woods uh, that they go to once in a while. But to accept the God that we know from the Bible, that's the one people are trying to get rid of as much as they can. They do everything they can to avoid. And because, as I've said since I first started preaching, God means one thing to most people. It doesn't mean religion. God equals, put an equal sign, responsibility or accountability. That's what God, the word God means. If I tell someone I'm a preacher and I talk about God, all they're hearing is that screaming in their ear, accountability, responsibility. You want me to do something. And they don't want that. Truth is, I don't want that. I'm not going to make it your problem. It's my problem. And so this is the problem with God. Men, is, men have been trying to get rid of him. And, and Jesus is perhaps even worse. Some of the things he says 
are, are so demanding, if you look at what they mean, that it's striking. His character is the basis of our civilization, though. Our legal system, based upon treating people fairly and due process and equality before the law, all those things come from the character of Jesus Christ, who treated the people that he met the same and demanded fairness out of people and doing the right thing. That's fundamental to our whole system, our whole civilization. The idea that people should be able to speak as individuals and have a value before God. When he talked to the woman at the well and the other people he encountered who were not known in society, Jesus treated them all the same way. This told, this told people as they read the Bible, read Jesus' life, that every individual has value before God and should be treated a certain way. That's a foundational principle of our civilization. Hasn't been a foundation principle of civilizations before, before ours, but it is this one. It's not a value of civilizations around the world right now. Try coming up in China, talking about every human being has intrinsic value and should be treated equal. They don't believe that. And they're open to say so. So, there you go. His character is the basis of our civilization, like it or not. And the people that argue so much against Christianity and think they want to start a civilization based on, uh, on equality and so forth, they have no rational basis to, to say that. And we talked about that before. We haven't got time today to do that. But who do men say that I am? If he is who he says he is, then, then here is the one of all history who must be listened to. That's the truth of the matter. If he's not who he says he is, then you need to ignore him. It won't matter at all in the long run because he's not who he says he is. And there's no reason for you to be um, subservient to a God or even to God's son if he isn't who he says he is. So... Um, who is Jesus? That's the question. Now, now, don't be misled by externals. I think this is where this discussion gets off the track. My friend that brought up this subject to me this week by saying, uh, I don't believe that Jesus existed. I, I, I don't know her, but I seriously doubt she's done a very in-depth historical study of Jesus Christ as far as what history says about his existence. She's saying that because she doesn't agree with what Christians say about Jesus. She's saying that because she doesn't believe that we should say uh, gay people are immoral and transgenderism is a fraud or there's marriages between one man and one woman. She's saying it because of those things. She's misled by the external or because she knows a hypocrite who's a Christian. Well, trust me, we all do. And you've heard me talk about hypocrisy many times from this pulpit and what I think about that. It It is a despicable thing. And it should not be tolerated. But hypocrisy is not Christians trying to live up to an ideal and failing. That's not hypocrisy. Hypocrisy is pretending to be one thing and doing another. And the world is filled with hypocrites, both left and right, both conservative and liberal. It's filled with phonies and hypocrites. And Christians are among those people. But don't be misled by the Inquisition. Communism has killed a thousand times, well, I don't even know what the number is. More than a thousand times more people. I think the total number of people put to death by the Inquisition was somewhere around 500 to 1,000 people, if you give it a generous. And they want to compare the Inquisition to the rule of Castro in Cuba or the rule of Lenin and Stalin in Russia as far as killing people. There, there isn't even a comparison. To those folks. Or Adolf Hitler. There's no comparison to all those atheists and what they say. 
who they've killed, but the Inquisition's the big problem. And the Inquisition was opposed even during its day by Christians. Or the moral majority. This is an old thing here. The moral majority are all those uh, phony, chest-thumping evangelicals out there who end up having affairs all over the place. Every week is a new affair by a new megachurch preacher. And that's been going on for a long time. And now it's, and it's exposed and, and, even, and the covering up of sexual abuse. Don't be misled by externals. The reason, that, the reason that you can say those things are wrong is because of the life of Jesus Christ. That's why you know they're wrong. Because he said they were wrong. He showed you they're wrong. And true Christianity has said that they were wrong from the beginning. Even though many people call themselves Christians don't live up to it. Or fake healers. I don't even put faith healers there. Don't be misled by those. Or by money-loving preachers. Plenty of those around. Or hypocrites. Those are external things to the issue of who is Jesus Christ. Because, and I'll tell you this, when you become a Christian, if you become one looking at who Jesus really is, you don't have to listen to those. You don't have to be led by those things. You don't have to be influenced by those things. You have to participate in those things. You can stand with me and condemn all of those things if you follow Jesus Christ and Him crucified and not all that other stuff. But if you get caught up in church culture, in what your church organization is and all the all the accoutrements of power and prestige that these churches build up for themselves in their mission. And every few years they're having to renounce the program that they were on, like like the purity culture. Could have taught the truth about that from the beginning, but no, they taught a purity culture. Now they're renouncing it as if they're some great heroes when they were the same ones teaching it before. They weren't teaching what the Bible said about any of those issues. Get off on, on the church and sexuality, but um, that's another big issue. Neither the world nor denominational churches, including the Catholic Church, teach the truth about human sexuality. And we all suffer for it. But that's another story. So don't be misled by these. Who do you say that he is is the issue you see in this. So what we, we see here, what is undeniable, is Jesus' honorable teachings that people use all the time. Even the one judged not that you be not judged. It's the favorite, the favorite verse in the Bible today. Guess who said that? This guy that didn't exist says that. And that's the issue. That's the very verse that people like my friend use to condemn Christians. And it was said by an imaginary person. I can't, I, I don't know what to do about that. You see, you see the problem? His honorable teachings were what they are, whether we live up to them or not. His flawless logic as he, as he confronted the Pharisees, in especially the latter part of his life when he came to Jerusalem that last week, and his philosophy of love, his heart of compassion toward those who were hurting and those who had been mistreated, and his impeccable character of how he stood up to those around him, even in death and saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. And then you have some things that people don't believe, these are the problem things based on that, the miracles. And he said, my works testify of me. You can know who I am because of my works that the Father has given me. What do you mean by his works? He, he meant the miracles that he had performed were the things that you need to look at. And then he claimed, his claims. He claimed to be the Son of God. He claimed to be coming again on the clouds 
with glory. He made claims about himself. He claimed that he would rise on the third day. You got to take those into consideration when you consider who he is. That's what we'll see in a moment. So, and even this big claim in John 8, unless you believe that I am, you shall die in your sins. Now, I know that often your text will say, unless you believe that I am he, but I don't think the word he is there. It just says, unless you believe that I am. And a lot of newer translations are correct in making it capital letters like this because he is repeating, I believe, to the Jews of that day, the name of God, the I am, Yahweh, or the I am. When, God, when Moses asked God's name, he said, I am that I am. So Jesus repeats that here. Unless you believe that I am, that I am God, you will die in your sins. I love that verse. That's the verse I quoted that Catholic nun. I told you that story before when she tried to tell me that a good Muslim, tell the class I was in, a good Muslim is a Christian and a good Jew is a Christian, a good Hindu is a Christian. And I just raised my hand and said, unless you believe that I am he, you shall die in your sins. And she said, well, you can interpret it that way if you want. Well, I wasn't interpreting anything. I was just, I said, I'm not interpreting anything, ma'am. I'm reading you what Jesus said about himself. Now, you should tell this class, I told her, what Jesus said about himself. Don't tell them what you th- wish Jesus was or wasn't. Tell this class that Jesus said he was I am. And it was important. And if you don't like that, then say it, but I don't like that. Just tell, just tell them what Jesus said and say, I don't like what Jesus said. But see, a lot of progressives are not willing to do that. They don't want to say that quiet part out loud and tell you what's really going on. She was a, she was a Catholic nun, very, very progressive Catholic, Catholic nun. This was back in the 80s. But she wouldn't say what she really believed truthfully. She wanted to make it look good that Jesus was accepting of all these different religions. That isn't what the scriptures say. That's not what he said. Honesty would say, Jesus said this about himself, and I don't like what he said about himself. I don't agree with it. That'd be honest. Instead, you get whatever. So, you only have these choices. I've added one here. It's often called the trilemma. I've added one to it. You can look up trilemma on the internet, and you'll see a lot of discussion about it. People love to attack this whole idea. I think it's a great idea. I think it's great. And I'll read some about that in a moment. But Jesus is either a liar or he is a lunatic, claiming he's going to come back and judge the world with the angels. Or he's a legend. He just was something made up. He didn't make any of these claims for himself and it was all made up later. Or he is the Lord, Jehovah himself. You can choose. Those Those are your choices. What people usually say is, as we'll see in a moment, that he was a great moral teacher and a revolutionary, and they want to make it sound better. But I don't believe he was anything to do with religion or he, uh, he, he was anything to do with being God's son. He was just a great teacher. He, he was a great teacher, and he deceived a lot of people, if that's the case. Here's what the Bible says about Jesus. Peter says, therefore, and this is right after his resurrection and ascension, therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus not some imaginary concept, this Jesus, whom you crucify. They knew he was real. They put him to death. He has made him both Lord and Christ. He is the Lord. He is the one who has the authority to command you, and you must obey. And he is the Christ. He's God's chosen one. Those are significant words that involve a lot of other exposition, which we will not do now. But that's who Peter said Jesus was right after his resurrection and ascension. And then you have this reading here in Romans 1 that can... Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, 
who was born of the seed of David according to the flesh and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection of the dead. The resurrection of the dead showed him clearly to be the Son of God. And so that's who the Bible says that Jesus Christ is. So if you're going to take Jesus' word, and he's the one who said you should follow the people that come after me, if you, will, if you disrespect the ones who come after me, he says you disrespect me, then you have to see that. So the problem is Jesus himself says that he claimed, he claimed to be God. And I go back to where we were in John 8 briefly, even though we already talked about it. Got ahead of myself a little. And he said to them, you are from beneath. That is, his enemies here. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Therefore, I said to you that you will die in your sins. For if you do not believe that I am he or that I am, you will die in your sins. That's what he said about himself. Now, even if it doesn't, even if it doesn't say unless you believe that I am, meaning God's name, what would he mean when he said unless you believe that I am he? At the very minimum, he was claiming to be the Messiah, the one that God had chosen to be the Savior of the world. So at the very minimum, he was claiming to be the Messiah, not a Messiah, not a good man, not a moral teacher, but the Son of God. At, at, at the, what I think probably the truth, he was claiming to be God's Son and God himself in that sense, the manifestation of the very essence of God. So that's what he claimed. A few more of Jesus' claims. Uh, he, he claimed to have the authority to forgive sins. On earth, he says, I have power to forgive sins. Now, behave, and therefore he was behaving as if he really was the person chiefly offended in all offenses, Matthew 9. If he had the authority to forgive sins, that means he's the one that was offended. When you sin against God, who are you sinning against, according to Jesus? Him. And I have the authority to forgive you for that, but remind yourself... I have that authority because of who I am, and I'm the one that you're offending when you sin against God. He claimed to all have always existed. Before Abraham was, what's he say? Oh, once again, he uses this phrase, I am. He doesn't say I was. He says I am. He's using the name of God. So uh, they said, you're not even 50 years old, and you say, you know Abraham. He said, yes, before Abraham was, I am. He claimed to be eternal. And then he said he intended, now this is just three little small things he claimed, I guess. He claimed, Intended to come back and judge the world at the end of time. At the end of time, he says, there's coming a day when the trump of God will sound. And all that are in the tombs will hear my voice and come forth. Some to a damnation, some to a, a, a resurrection of condemnation, some to a resurrection of life. Think about that, what he's saying to those people. There's coming a time when I'm going to give the command and everybody that's been dead for centuries is all going to come out of the grave. What kind of man says that? What's, what do you think he thinks of himself when he says that? He certainly doesn't think he's just a man. And so he claimed for himself that he was, and then he, then he said he was going to judge the world and all the nations would stand before him and be judged. If a man said that today, what would we think? Well, if we were truly fair, we'd say, prove it. Most of us just say, he's nuts. He needs, a, he needs his own TV show and we go on. Eat his own little real life drop. What do they call it? Uh, what do they call that kind of TV? True, t- not true TV, huh? Reality TV show. He needs something like that, you know. Go on about his business. And we wouldn't give it a second thought. If we're really fair, we'd say, "Okay, so prove it to me." And so Jesus proved it to them by the miracles that he did, 
And then the proof really was there that he came back and that he said he was going to... It isn't, it isn't just that he came back from the dead. It's that he said he was going to die and be crucified and on the third day come forth. Before it ever happened, he said it was going to happen and then it happened that way. Because he couldn't arrange that, didn't arrange that. It was done by his enemies to him and they tried to hide it and, dis- and discount it but he said ahead of time he was going to do it. So he tried to show you the yes, I can make these statements because I am who I say I am. So let's go back a little. Let's go back and pump. We've got to wrap this up. Uh, well, I don't know about this. I'm on slide 18 of 28. So here's the problem. It's just too few to do two parts. It's not going to work. So we're going to do one part, but we're going to go fast. Was Jesus even a real person? That's the question. Because if he wasn't real, I don't care what he says. If he just made up. Here are some sources for Jesus outside the Bible. Okay, there there are at least this many. I did put I didn't put this together. I, I redid this a few years ago. The Roman historian Tacitus in one twelve said the de- talked about the death of Jesus at the hands of Pilate, Lucian in the hundreds A.D. talked about that new cult of Christianity based on Jesus. Josephus in sixty six A.D. writes about the life and death of Jesus. He has a lot to say about that in talking to the Rome. He's writing a history for the Romans, and, and then Suetonius. Christ and the Jews were expelled from Rome because of Christ. Pliny, a Roman, uh, said that Christians were bound not to sin by Jesus. Thallus, 52 A.D., talked about the darkness of Christ at Christ's death. Philegion, the first century, in the 100s, said that it was a darkness or an eclipse at Christ's death. Bar Serapion in 73 A.D., talked about the calamities brought by the death of Socrates. So there are at least that many sources from the time of Christ that speak of him as a real figure and what he did. Some things about what he did. Not extensive histories like the Gospels, but passing references to his reality. At the time that he was alive, within, within a generation, the people began to write histories of that, that events. The people then believed that Jesus Christ was real. They weren't saying he was somebody made up at that time at all. So, look, that's a lot more evidence we have about most historical figures in, in history. That's a lot more diverse references from Greeks and Romans and his enemies. Not his friends, but his enemies. That prove that Jesus was a real person. And you can study some of these. So here is what, uh, here is what the Talmud even said. Or, excuse me, Josephus. Who was a Jewish general who came to be with the Romans, considered a traitor by the Jews, wrote extensive histories of the Jews. At this time, there was a wise man who was called Jesus, and his conduct was good, and he was known to be virtuous, and many people from among the Jews and other nations became his disciples. Pilate condemned him to be crucified and to die, and those who had become his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported, they reported that he had appeared to them three days after his crucifixion, that he was alive. Accordingly, he was perhaps the Messiah, concerning whom the prophets have kind of wondered. Now, he couches this like a reporter, saying this is what's been reported as a historian. Okay, so this is contemporary with, with the apostles. And then you have the Talmud, which is an anti-Christian source, a Jewish source. On the eve of the Passover, Yeshua, that's the Jewish way to pronounce Jesus, was hanged. 
for 40 days, that means hung up on a cross, not hanged by the neck until he's dead, but hung up on a cross. For 40 days before the execution took place, a herald went forth and cried, he is going to be stoned because he has practiced sorcery and enticed Israel to apostasy. Anyone who can say anything in his favor, let him come forward and plead on his behalf. But since nothing was brought forward in his favor, he was hanged on the eve of the Passover. Now, of course, that story is not biblically true. But that's what the Jews at the time said about Jesus. They contended that his disciples stole the body, not that he was an imaginary person who didn't even exist. That's what modern people say. It's not what they were saying at the time that it existed. So sources outside the Bible, there's plenty. So a summary of this is given by Norman Geisler. Jesus, this, he's summarizing what history says. Jesus lived during the time of Tiberius Caesar. He was a virtuous life. He was a wonder worker. He had a brother named James. He claimed to be the Messiah. He was crucified under Pontius Pilate. An eclipse and earthquake occurred when he died. He was crucified on the eve of the Jewish Passover. His disciples believed that he rose from the dead. His disciples were willing to die for their belief. And then Christianity spread as far as Rome. His disciples denied the Roman gods and worshipped Jesus. This is what he says his people wrote in history that we know of at the time that Jesus of the apostles. That's a lot of information. None of that says that we should all be Christians, but that's what it says. So is Jesus just a legend? Couldn't the stories about Jesus be a myth that was invented over a period of time? That's what, that's what the atheists we debated said about that. He was a myth. That was common belief in the 1800s by, by unbelievers. He was just a myth. You know, you start off and, and you got people saying that Drew Bledsoe was the greatest quarterback of all time. You know, that kind of thing. Uh, sorry, I, I shouldn't have picked him, but just, you know, good quarterback, just not the greatest of all time. Well, because it's a myth that's grown. And they got people like Joe Montana ignored. And I hate the 49ers, but, you know. So these kind of myths grow up. Now, that's a small one. Nobody really believes that. But you have myths about people. They don't happen overnight. And a true historically, yes, they know about legends historically. It's been studied. And there are legends out there. And so this just takes some liberal or broad dates for the New Testament. Not, not conservative dates, but more uh, liberal dating. So 1 Corinthians is in the spring of 55, all the way down to John 40 to 65. There's not enough time after the original events happened, between that time and the time they were written down, for the events of Jesus' life to become a legend. That it was something that happened. He was an ordinary person who was a carpenter in Galilee and somehow they made him out to be uh, something that he was and called him the son of God and did all these miracles and was raised from the dead. There isn't enough time. Look at the, how close the dates are to his death in 33 AD. You can't have historically now legends, true legends develop. And you certainly don't have enough time for a whole lot of people to lay down their life and die for that legend in that kind of time. That's what you don't have. They were close enough to the events, and they knew people that knew these events, that they were willing to die for their belief in these events. Not, not, not true with a legend, and that's what happened. So a scholar's observation for this, William Lane Craig, the tests show that even two generations is too short to allow legendary tendencies to wipe out the hardcore of historical facts. Got to have more than two. There's not even two generations there, you see. Now, C.S. Lewis says, we've got to close this out. Here, here's what I want to get to. Now, I'm going to read this. And I'm going to tell you something. The first time I read this, I was a young man. I wanted to stand up and shout. 
I could not believe what I had just read. How right it was. How, how, how much it helped me. I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Christ, him. I'm ready, they say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That's the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things that Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on the level of the man who says he's a poached egg, or else he would be the devil or of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. Or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us, and he did not intend to. Now, it seems to me obvious that he was either a, neither, neither a lunatic nor a fiend. And consequently, however strange or terrifying and unlikely it may seem, I have to accept the view that he was and is God. That's from a book I highly recommend to you, Mere Christianity. I know it's written by an Anglican who was once, once an atheist, and that's C.S. Lewis. And he makes no defense of his Anglican religion per se, but it's a defense of Christianity in general. It's 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 written in the fifties. I'm very I'm very proud it was written the year that I was born. I'm so proud of that fact. This is a great book, one that you that you should read, written by a world class scholar in a way that you can understand. That's a feat in itself. But he says here then. He either knew his claims were false, and he made deliberate misrepresentations, and therefore he was a liar, and he was a hypocrite for doing it. Or he was a fool. He died because of his claims. He was put to death by Pilate, and I had to do is say, look, I'm, I'm joking with you. I'm making this up. And his claims were therefore false. Or two possibilities here. He did not know his claims were false. He was sincerely deluded. He was a lunatic. Or else his claims were true. And he's the Lord. You can break it down that way and see. But, but Jesus didn't leave the options open to you. And this is why he has created so much. It's why he's controversial today. If he was just a teacher, he would not be controversial. But people understand in their bones that he's demanding something, an either-or choice from you about him. And that's the one thing that modern society will not tolerate, that either-or choice. And so that's the problem. So who do you say that he is? That's what Jesus says in the end of all of this to you. What he says, and he presents himself as he is, the son of God who will one day judge the world, the one who came specifically to save you from your sin and from yourself. Come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I like the last part as much as the first. He's telling you that you can do what you need to do as a Christian. My, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. It's not something that you can't do. I know that people think that. You can follow Jesus Christ. You can learn to be like him. You can make a life goal. You can, based on your belief in Jesus Christ, be a different person than you would be without that. And that's what we ask you this morning. So as we get ready to sing the song that Gary has selected uh, come unto me, I believe. That's interesting he chose that song because that was the, 
last verse that I was going to use, uh, is that we're going to sing this song this morning to encourage you to obey the gospel of Christ. Come and be buried with him in baptism and raised to walk a new life. Or if you've wandered away from him, be convinced that you need to get back on track with him and follow him with all your heart. That's what's required of you. That's what's good for you. Can we help you today? Come to the front right now. Let's stand and sing.